This is it, people. This is what you've been waiting for. This is Everyday Celebrity Podcast. The podcast for everyday people with everyday problems trying to find everyday solutions to accomplish everyday goals. Let's start the show. You, 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 you. Welcome to another episode of Everyday Celebrity Podcast. This is your host, Jordan Owandi. This is episode nine. Uh, I've been on like a little leave for a minute. I was on vacation. But now I'm back, new and improved. Got all my rest and shit together. And I'm very excited today to interview a very, very beautiful, talented woman. Uh, if you looked at murals, or if you're a fan of murals, or just art in general, uh, you should listen to this and check her out. Her name is Rose. Rose. Her name is not Rose. <laughs> <laughs> My friend's name is Rose. <laughs> My bad. Rachel. Her name is Rachel. Yeah. I'm going to edit that out. But Rachel, uh, welcome to Everyday Celebrity Podcast. Thank you. It's good to be here. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. <coughs> I've been posting in the studio pretty much all day. So. Okay. Yeah. So you have a studio in East Oakland, right? Yup. How long have you been here? I've been at this spot for like two years now, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how did you find this place? Hmm. I, uh, let's see. I was getting some stuff printed from someone down the street, and he recommended I come here. Mm. And I had come here before through another friend who has a fashion studio, like, across the hallway. Mm. So I ended up meeting the dude who runs the spot, and we ended up vibing out. It was kind of between this and Art House Studios, which is right down the street, which is... Um, yeah, I've seen Art House Studios. That looks, it looks crazy. It used yeah. to be abandoned for a minute, right? Yeah. Now it's brand new and gentrified and nice. sparkling and clean. Nice, yeah. nice. Do you have that like membership or something to get in there? Um, so it's just like studio space, but I kind of wasn't vibing with the dude who, um, who runs the space, was telling me yeah, a lot about how much all the furniture costs uh. and all this and that but there weren't really any sinks in the creative spaces and so i was like it seems a little more like yeah you know not really for artists okay so i want somewhere i could smoke a joint and make a painting and uh, nice nice do is that thing. what you usually do when you paint you get often high? often does that really bring out the uh, creative side like everyone thinks it makes time pass yeah it makes time pass different i feel like to get the real creative like burst uh -huh. I have to not smoke for a couple of days and then I smoke and like I get a flood of ideas. But yeah. for me, it's usually about like finding my zone and like spacing out and just hitting that place of timelessness. So when I was looking at your Instagram, uh, I looked at your website and it said you were self-taught. Correct. So you didn't go to school or anything for this? I have taken a handful of community college classes I think I took figure drawing basic design um and printmaking and a fine painting class like mm. a still life class 
Mm-hmm. Um, but that's about it. For the most part, I've like worked with other painters. I've watched people paint a lot. Yeah. Um, watch a lot of YouTube. <laughs> Watch a lot of Bob Ross. <laughs> Bob Ross. Bob Ross got game for sure. I don't know who that is. Who's is that? Bob Ross is the OG from PBS from like the nineties, two thousands. White dude with the afro. I think he was is in. Is it the that guy that uh, Val Kilmer uh, made a movie about? Maybe. If it is, I haven't seen it. Yeah, I think that is because he made a movie about a, a painter, a white boy. Yeah. With an afro looked like a Jewish afro. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, That's probably, probably him. him. Yeah. Okay. I think he was actually in the army mm-hmm. and started doing, I could be making this shit up, but I'm pretty sure he was in the army and he started doing art as therapy. And so he has a lot of like happy little trees. Yeah. Sweet little clouds. He talks about every element of his painting. Like it's like a, you know, got mm-hmm. an emotion attached to it. So. Okay. Yeah. So what's your uh, nationality? I don't know my nationality. I'm adopted. I was adopted at birth. Uh, okay. Um, You're mixed with something. I have an open adoption, so I know who my birth father is. He's black. Uh-huh. I know who my birth mother is. She's white. I don't really know. Because you remind me of uh, Zoe Kravitz a little bit. Thank you. I will take that. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So, um, where were you? Where are you from? Eugene, Oregon. Eugene, Oregon. Yep. Born and raised? Born and raised, yeah. And tell me your journey th- from Eugene, Oregon to here. All right. Um, let's see. Uh, well, Eugene's like a real hippie town, right? So yeah, I figure. grew up, raised, uh, white parents. Um, These are your adopted parents, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, white Jewish parents. So mm. I was raised Jewish. I was bat mitzvahed. All right, wait, let, let me stop you there. Uh, every time I talk to a Jewish person, I always ask them, is Jews, is that a race or a religion? And I always get different answers. What, what, do, what do you think? I, <clears throat> I like to be technically specific, aside from my Bob Ross facts. <laughs> <laughs> um, if I'm going to speak on something like that, and I don't know. Okay. Well, what do you think? What do I think? Hmm... To me, it's a religion. Okay. To me. All right. So you don't think it's a race of people? Would the Hebrew people be a race? I don't know. I honestly just don't know enough to um, theorize on it. Okay. Uh, you can continue your story. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I kind of, well, my parents are real political and I grew up with a mindset of helping people and being of service and being politically aware and um, active in your community and building community. Um, but it wasn't until I moved out to Portland and I started living in a black neighborhood that I started to understand my racial identity and mm-hmm. understand that I was part of something different than what I had been raised with. Uh, so your white foster parents didn't teach you black culture? How could they? I mean, they can put you in classes and shit. I mean, did they let it be known that you need to learn your ancestry? Um, I mean, I ask. I mean, just your people in general. Did they? They encouraged me in every way that they could. Mm-hmm. Um, also, not my foster parents; they're adoptive parents, and so I refer to them as my parents. Um, but 
there's just I guess there's a certain amount that you can't know from being from a different culture. I think they tried to involve me in groups and tried to like do certain things. Mm. But if you're in a place where there's basically no black people, then that's kind of hard to do unless you straight up move. You know what I'm saying? So there was a minute where like I went through my journey of discovering who I was and my racial identity and went through a phase of being angry about that and being angry that I didn't have more exposure to that. And then um, I think it comes down to like, you can't be angry about the past or where yeah. you come from. Like it is what it is, you know? Were you the only child in the house? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so what, I moved to Portland for a while. I was a stripper once I was 18. I was a hey, stripper. Hey, hey, stop, 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 stop. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you stripped in Portland? Yeah. I mean, I could see that. Well, I started in Eugene, and then I moved to Portland. So I started in, like, some real shitty, like... Did you have all the tattoos when you were uh, stripping? Because I heard... I was, 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 like, working my way into it. I heard the girls, like, you had to have tattoos if you're a stripper out there for some reason. Well, so the club that I worked at was Union Jacks, and that was, like, when I started there. Shout out to Union Jacks. That was one of the, like, punk rock metal clubs. So Most of the girls were tattooed, like, head to toe. You were likely to talk shit and get a shoe to the dome. This was a fully nude? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, wait, 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 wait a minute. So how did you end up getting into that? Like, where, what were you, like... I feel like I always kind of knew that I wanted to, strip? to be a dancer. Yeah. Or just a I would dancer. see it in movies. I would see, no, like a stripper. Mm. I always wanted to be a dancer as well, and I always wanted to be an artist. Okay. But I always was free in my body and free about my expression of sexuality yeah um and so it was something that was attractive to me especially as a young person when i'm like i can just show my body make some quick money and like travel the world and do whatever i want and yeah but a lot of people are a lot of women are scared to do that shit so why were you (laughs) i guess so (laughs) yeah so brave to just hop in there and do it I mean, I don't know. People say being an artist is brave. I guess you okay. know it's just. Uh, Do you remember your first lap dance? To me? No. No. Well, it was probably received from another girl who was like thirty, who was teaching me how to strip. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any weird stories of like a man touching you in the wrong way or something? Um, nothing too major in that regard. I quit a club because of a client who I was making about $1,500 a night Mm. off of. Yeah. And he was so intolerable to be around. He was like an oil tycoon or something like that. This old white dude, hella hella nasty. It's always in white. white He would be like, stick your tongue in my ear. And so I'd lick my finger and stick it in his ear and be like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) Just play him however I could. He would get so drunk, he would fall asleep. And I would Mm -hmm. sit in the chair across from him. And flip him off and make faces at him and mm. kill the time. And then he'll wake up. I'll tell him that he owed me, like, you know, a little more than he did. Okay. <laughs> that was, that was his That was his thing. He did was you a sleep real with him before? piece of shit. Oh, no. Lord. Have you slept with anyone at the strip club? No. Oh. Okay. <laughs> so how long were Hard you? Hard line. Hard line. <laughs> <laughs> work is work. So you were stripping. How long were you doing that for? About a year and a half. And this is in Oregon? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I ended up in Portland, which was classier, little punk rock club. Um, I was into performing. I worked with girls who did, like, point ballet and, like, 
mm-hmm. juggled um, the clear glass balls and did fire dancing and mm. had some really creative spins on the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like a exciting um, creative spirit that was involved in. When that started to fade, because the stock market crash or the whole economy crashed in 2008, that's when I graduated high school, started dancing, and things were kind of on like a downward slope. Um, so you, you started dancing after high school? Uh-huh. Okay, I was just checking. Yeah. And then I realized that I really wanted to pursue art. I was living with some people from the club, not really enjoying my life anymore, mm-hmm. wanted to get out. I was in school as well, so I was going to school all day, working all night, mm-hmm. and living with people I didn't really enjoy. And I ended up moving back to my hometown and my friend put me up for a few months while I got art popping. Um, so when you started doing art, did it were you automatically successful? Like, because I, I look at your I look at your shit and it's like fucking like some like Picasso shit to me. Thank you. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I when I was living in Portland dancing, I was living with my boyfriend. My boyfriend was an artist. And we made a few things together. We ended up selling some stuff, and I kind of got the sense for that it was something that I could fine tune and mm-hmm. end up living off of. Um, and I was live painting a lot. So I was live painting at events, and I started to live paint at events in the Bay Area and up and down the West Coast through kind of the festival scene. But you were still living in Portland at the time? Yeah. So eventually, what I dipped out to I moved in with my homie back in Eugene and then I dipped out to Guatemala Nicaragua Costa Rica for like three months I learned Spanish I hung out I backpacked around I came back I packed up all my shit and I moved into my van Mm. and I started bouncing in between some homies that lived in the bay and some homies that lived in Portland and I would probably spend a week in each place yeah going back and forth. I was like 21, 22, and then I ended up, uh, I was trimming weed for a living a lot of the time. Yeah. Okay. Um, And I remember that there was someone I had connected with years before that um, who lived in Oakland at an artist collective, and so I called him up and I asked him if he had a room, and he said yes. Mm-hmm. And I moved in a couple weeks later. I don't even think you remembered I was moving in. I showed up. <laughs> and there was still someone living in my room, and I had to kick them out wow. <laughs> and get myself moved in. That was kind of like a DIY artist space. Everything, 13 bedrooms, all handmade. Everything mm-hmm. was, like, intricate with weaving stairways and, you know, triangle windows and okay three foot tall doorways and just like every little oddity you could imagine so when you came here you weren't living off of art right so what job were you doing to support your art i was working with weed um i was working with weed i guess and selling art just picking weed um so farm work was like pretty standard for me from the time i was like 17 until like that carried me through my whole coming of age into adulthood pretty Mm -hmm. much so i could make art and then i could usually dip out for a minute help somebody with their indoor somewhere go up north do like a big crop for you know a couple months sit on the mountain you trim 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 and then you come back with like 
few thousand dollars and you know yeah. you live in a closet for 300 bucks that yeah. few thousand dollars can last a while <laughs> yeah. it's nice yeah um but slowly i've been like swapping that out and to the point now where i'm pretty much 100 percent living off my art mm. um, what was the first um do you remember like the first piece you sold for like when you realize oh shit i can really make money off of this yeah i made a big painting that was kind of a self-portrait of me sitting on throne of skulls with hyenas with blood dripping out of their mouths like uh-huh. all around me okay and it was like one of my favorite things i'd ever made it was on a six foot scroll that was super long mm. and i showed it somewhere and i decided i would charge four thousand dollars for it because i didn't really want to sell it unless it was gonna sell for a lot Mm-hmm. And I think I was 22 at that point. And somebody bought. That was the only thing that got bought. Who bought it? Um, it was a friend of mine. Somebody I'm not in touch with anymore, but someone who I was kind of acquaintances with. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rose actually made the sale, my friend Rose. Oh, nice. Yeah. So when you sell your stuff, do you just like sell it out of your studio or do you like take it to, I don't know, what, art gatherings or whatever the fuck? Word. Um, it's like... It's it's mostly homies who buy stuff, uh, some variation of an acquaintance or a friend, mm-hmm. somebody who knows me in some regard. Usually, mm-hmm. I've sold a couple things out of a gallery, um, but most of my stuff hasn't been gallery focused. Mainly because, I mean, it takes a while to build your voice as an artist. So, I don't have one consistent thing I put out. I still like to explore a lot of different techniques and a lot of subject matter and it never really like settles in one place Mm -hmm. so i feel like gallery representation they want to know what your voice is and what you're going to put out and um and and know that it's going to be kind of consistent so i've opted for representing myself which is easier to do these days like i can throw some prints on instagram and sell them right away um murals have been like the main focus recently yeah, let's talk let's talk about murals. How did you start doing murals? Homie asked me to paint his van. Okay. Uh, and somebody asked me to paint their bus. And then somebody at a restaurant they need painted and um and it just kind of went on from there. The jobs and that's slowly way, got bigger. That's way more money than selling a a picture, right? Well, yeah. Yeah. Um cuz it only takes a few days, right? Mhm. Uh definitely gotten it down to like a three to seven day turnaround and you paint it by yourself i like to paint by myself i'm the creative director for the bay area mural program too oh yeah, really i don't know if i should be plugging them while i'm talking about stripping and <laughs> working with weed <laughs> <laughs> which which murals in the bay area have you done um let's see so i did the front of seventh west which is a so bar that, and uh, that Bart on in West Oakland? Mm-hmm. By the West Oakland Bart? Yep. Okay. You did the uh, outside of it? Mm-hmm. On the front side, yeah. On the front side, okay. The whole front side. Um, and then I just finished a construction wall on 25th and Adeline. Um, mm-hmm. Painted the whole outside of Design Draw Build, which is an architecture firm on 28th and Webster. And then as an organization, BAMP has painted Whole Foods, Lake Merritt. Um, What did they paint at Whole Foods? 
There's a fat ass mural in the parking lot. Okay. In the lower parking lot. Okay. Um, Rosa Parks Senior Center in the Fillmore in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. That's like a whole community project. So working with BAMP has been crazy because that's been a different realm completely. Like that's community engagement and taking a bunch of different people's ideas and identities and connection to a place and like trying to put that all on the wall in a way that they feel like represents them. Are you currently working on something now, like a mirror? Um, let's see. I just had a meeting with Fantastic Negrito. He's a a musician from Oakland and I'm going to be doing something in his studio coming up. Um, I just finished 25th and Adeline the other day and it already got graffitied so I gotta go hit it with something even doper how do you feel about that one <laughs> I feel like when people uh, graffiti as shit this is actually the first time I've had this go down cause I thought that was like uh, an unspoken rule where if you paint a wall like people don't fuck with it like the graffiti people cause it's like some a, of the cats I started it's like a respect of the with. painters like I used to paint in the streets and shit when I was a little punk ass kid but I never hit anybody's like storefronts or anything. Like I was like, mom and pop on that. They're gonna yeah. have to pay a fine to the city if they have graffiti on their walls. I'm mm-hmm. not fucking with them. You know what I mean? Um, but a lot of these cats don't give a fuck, and a lot of them are like, who knows what they're doing? They're like, yeah. doing drugs and getting fucked up, and yeah. you know, going out just with the intention of fucking stuff up. A lot of the cats who taught me some of the basics of writing were more of the school of thought of like, fuck art, fuck murals. But they would still always be impressed by my shit. Like, when they would see it, they would be like, oh, damn, that shit's fire, though. Like, how mm. do you do it? You know? Yeah. But but probably would still, like, put a throwy over a mural. Do you teach? Yeah. Yeah. You I have t- a class coming up, actually, on... Um, I have two classes on February 6th and February 8th at What's the? What are you teaching on the class? So I'm doing this technique that somebody taught me um, when I was in Guatemala. I stayed with this old man who was a art teacher. Um, <clears throat> and he had this one particular exercise that basically runs you through. By the end of it, you create an impressionist painting in about 30 minutes. Um, it's this process of taking the reference photo that the whole class will be painting the same reference photo. And you make five versions of it, each mm. one gets successively less blurry. So you start with one that's blurry beyond recognition and slowly come into focus. Mm -hmm. So you have the students paint each one for like five minutes. And uh, every five minutes, you're supposed to cover the whole page. Mm -hmm. So with the blurry, you see like a blur black, a blur green, you know, whatever, and you just cover the whole page. And so as it tightens up, you're kind of adding detail onto the background that you've already created. And it ends up coming to focus and creating this like very kind of Monet feeling type effect mm. that while I was taking that class, I watched people who have never painted a damn thing in their life paint something that looked like really um, full of character and really pretty fucking dope. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I remember when I went to, um, I mean, when it comes to painting, I guess it's in the eye of what did they say? The eye of the beholder. Because yeah. I remember when I went to uh, SF MoMA, and then there was a piece on the wall. It was just literally like a a blue square uh-huh. painted, like a piece of wood that was in the shape of a square. Right. Painted blue. 
with a yellow circle mm-hmm. in the upper corner of it, and it was displayed at uh, MoMA. Yeah. And then I asked, I asked the lady, I was like, "Do you guys have any uh, Basquiat?" She was like, "Yeah, we have, we have an original painting, but it's not displayed." I'm like, "How the fuck y'all got? How? Why are you not displaying that and yeah. you displaying this yeah. piece of shit?" It's like it's <laughs> basically a a blue square. What are I could have did it right. So as your realm of like conceptual art, right? Yeah. So yeah, it's so. about the concept and the thought behind it, and not necessarily uh, being like a technically impressive painting. Mm-hmm. Right? I, I don't know. I just thought that was a trip that they would have Basquiat not being shown. Yeah, I feel you. That's not my realm. Like I don't. <laughs> I I enjoy the technical and I enjoy complexity and I enjoy trying to like convey things or or like warp reality. You don't like going to museums. I I like to go to museums. I got uh, my De Young membership. Oh, okay. I go to Legion of Honor and shit. Who's your weekends. favorite uh, painter or an mm. artist? I feel like I never want to reference anybody from the past. Like. There's this dude, John Wentz, who's this amazing figure painter um, who's out here. Um, Goddamn. Like, you're going to ask me this, I'm going to go blank on every single painter I like. (laughs) (laughs) Do you like... uh, Um, What's that dude? Uh, Keith Haring? Yeah, Keith Haring's got some cool shit. Yeah, okay. I mean, that is that line work style, right? Like, it, that's what yeah, yeah. he's really popular for. I thought he was popular for, like, drawing dicks. A bunch <laughs> of dicks. <in> a <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I'm not schooled, so I don't, I didn't, I didn't get the Keith Haring dicks Yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like currently history, reading but. his, uh, his book. Okay. And then the beginning, it's just like him, he started off like, because you know he was gay, so he started off just like writing, a, drawing a bunch of dicks. Nice same looking dicks classic just like you know how when you're in school you get in trouble you gotta write I would not throw paper on the chalk that's how it looked like dicks 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 (laughs) (laughs) all down the fucking paper so that's basically what he started drawing right on but yeah yeah whatever I mean he's he's alright I guess (laughs) he's alright I mean man when I was a kid I was all about surrealism and like my first favorite thing that I remember loving was Hindu art of deities, like mm. blue figures, elephant heads, Ganesha, and yeah. like you know, a naked woman in a ring of fire, and all that stuff was like amazing to me. Mm. You know, um, I like these kind of mythical characters and these archetypes. Um, and then I got really into visionary art when I was in high school. I was eating a lot of psychedelics. And I got super into, like, Alex Gray because he's painting energy fields. He's painting all of the stuff that you see when you eat psychedelics and you kind of get to see what else is going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of has led into an appreciation of different kinds of contemporary surrealism, be that, like, lowbrow style art of kind of, you know, more of, like, a crisp pop art kind of feel um i really dig like low bros are on some street art shit but they're like super crispy and clean and also um have this really dope contemporary style um and the further collective they're out of the bay area they were super influential to me in like the time where i was doing a lot of live painting they're on some really um you would say what's live painting so live painting is where you bring a canvas to an event and you create on site 
Uh, just draw what you see around you? Mm-hmm. Okay. Have you ever drawed, like, you know how when figure models? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I've done some. You like that. doing that? I do. I do. I have a story about that. I, uh, my friend, she, she was a painter, and she was going to some um, that school in San Ramon, um, Dominican. Okay. Or whatever. She asked me to be in her uh, art class to be like an, um, a model. model. Yeah, for the class. Yeah. So I had to get naked, right? So I'm naked in the classroom, right? This is the first time I've ever done it. I felt awkward. And then I'm looking around and shit. I wasn't supposed to move, but, you know, my eyes are moving. Yeah. Looking around the classroom. And then I saw this one girl. And she looked at, she was attractive. And then next thing, you know, I just, in the middle of the class, <laughs> <laughs> got an erection. But it was, I mean, and the teacher was like, she had this little, uh, you know, little pointy things. And she's talking to her class. She's like right up close to me like this, to my body, like pointing at different parts yeah talking about it so yeah it was funny don't miss the lighting on the shit. yeah yeah i never uh, yeah that was my last first and last yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you gotta keep those eyes away <laughs> see when i would figure model i would always try to practice my telekinesis skills or what do you call it is that when you move stuff with your mind yeah yeah so i would always try to like oh wait. so you were a model and a uh i've modeled some yeah okay yeah it's okay. usually good money and, nice you know. So yeah, when I was looking at your Instagram, also I saw that you you model as well. How I much? do a bit for homies here and there. I have a lot of friends creating shit like all over the board. Yeah. So is um, painting? Do you have any other uh, passions besides painting? Like, can you write poetry? Can you sing? <laughs> I'm not a singer, that's for sure. No? I do sing. You do sing. <laughs> Just not well. <laughs> Do you want to um, sing a little bit right now for the people? I'm yeah, joking. I'm negative. Joking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> negative. <laughs> um, what other passions do I have? I just love people, man. Like honestly, I've always, I've always just like had this deep, deep love for people and wanting to help anyone who's oppressed or anyone who's held down in any way. And mm. I've lived a lot of my life being pretty poor and. I just have, you know, a big place in my heart for anybody who's struggling. So, um, I guess like a big part of where my mind has been at is like, how do I, how does my passion become a vehicle to move through the world and create opportunity for other people and also to create abundance for myself and for, you know, for all oppressed people. Um, but you know that's that's kind of coming together with BAMP I'm getting to do a lot more like educating and um, we're working with some of the kids in Sunnydale projects in San Francisco doing just some art classes and that was super dope to so you like teaching I like teaching yeah maybe that's your other passion it might be my other passion yeah I've always envisioned kind of um, a mural program that teaches people about revolutionary figures and in the creation of the mural you're learning you know maybe yeah. there's quotes involved maybe there's parts of storyline involved and um and just like empowering people through artwork so when you want to create a mural i mean what's the process of that do you got to get like approved to the city or something uh, well or is just the, if the owner of, of the process. building like if it's um if <clears throat> we want a grant and we're doing it through the group then it could be like a really arduous process or you know if it's a homie hiring me then sometimes it's like girl just do whatever you want you know mm. um but generally you're drafting you're redrafting 
send it in again they give you more edits you draft again mm. you know that's after you have looked at the wall measured everything come up with the rough budget um and then the actual process of getting it onto the wall you're either projecting your drawing or you're doing some kind of grid method or scribble method um which is like the old school way mm. i've done a lot like that or you just go you know off site but it's easy to fuck up your proportions depending on how big the wall is what was the hardest uh, mural you ever done <laughs> one of my first murals man what my first my first like real mural that i was proud of that i was getting paid a lot to do i bought the most affordable paint i could mm. at the art store that was supposedly acrylic pretty sure it was tempera which means it was water-based which means I painted the whole mural and then it rained Ah. and the whole mural disappeared and I did the whole thing again and I got my purse jacked while I was doing it so I was like (laughs) I feel like this is really my test like do you really want this like how bad do you want this Uh, it's this African woman with a big head wrap and a lion's face next to her face Mm. Um, and then kind of like a landscape that you know kind of like bleeds from desert into the night sky have you ever done any tattooing only on myself and a couple unfortunate people who let me practice on them (laughs) what did i do myself i have hearts on my toes okay i got a homie um named twatrick 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 Yeah, like nice Patrick, name. but he was a fucking twat. Twat so. works. Um, he was from England. <laughs> he was a really like influential homie in my life for a minute, and he drew this one type of heart. So I have those hearts tattooed on my toes. And then I think I tattooed an infinity symbol on my arm when I was like 16. This is with a gun or just like That was needle. with a gun. My boyfriend had a tattoo gun. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then I got a couple other home duns, but they're not by me. Nice. Yeah. So are you uh, are you single? No. No? Who's your boyfriend? The same dude from with the tattoo gun? From, from back when I was 16, we just been riding. No. Wow. <laughs> no, no, not say. quite. <laughs> um, my boyfriend's name is Dylan. He's is he an artist? an artist as well. He's a builder. Mm-hmm. He's from the Bay. He grew up out here. Um, we've been friends for like eight years. I met him in Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. I was out at this festival as a painter, and he was out there building one of the stages. And we ended up meeting, like, running around in the streets, partying yeah. um, one night. And then we always kind of had a crush on each other, but either he had a, boy- he had a girlfriend, I had a boyfriend, mm-hmm. and it never lined up. And then... Um, yeah, this last year we ended up hooking up and just being like, why didn't we do this sooner? This is so dope. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. All right, so uh, let's see. What else can I... So Portland to here. And how long have you been here in Oakland? Like since 2011, 2012. Okay. So what are some of the good things about being in the art world that you like the most and what are some of the, like the worst things about your profession do you think 
Um, I chose to be an artist because from a very young age, I thought it was very unfair that you were like here on this earth and then just required to participate in a system that you had no choosing in creating. Mm-hmm. And I was really not interested in participating in that system. And making art was a way that I saw that I could do what I wanted with my time here on earth and um, and not really have to like be a part of all that. Not have to wake up at a certain time. So I chose it for my freedom, you know? And then I think it's evolved over time but freedom like is definitely way up there yeah the ability to like steer this ship in whichever direction i want to um and to really like be able to choose to to be powerful in my life you Mm -hmm. know um damn yeah that's probably my favorite thing and like collaborating with other artists i just love creative people right so i get to meet all sorts of interesting people yeah Um, and it opens doors when I travel I draw people Mm -hmm. and I find that especially in places where there's a language barrier that'll end up being something that people really connect with and they'll be like here's some let me hang a freaking hammock for you by the beach here's some avocados like you know (laughs) what I mean you're like here I'll draw you and your wife and like you know what I mean teach your kids how to like make origami and shit whatever you know what I mean Uh but it's something that transcends language that can be shared so that's pretty cool um you know I've just been poor for like a long time (laughs) (laughs) so that's been probably the one of the biggest challenges is just waking up and sticking with it every day like not knowing if you are gonna be able to sell as much as you need to or something like that yeah yeah i mean just you you're making it up all the time you know what i mean so it can be kind of draining if you let it like you have to be able to feel your own fire and to know what you need to do to stay energized and motivated and what you need to do to make money and um and you know discipline organization which is kind of a thing that i was avoiding getting into in the first place by being an artist has become like the most vital thing to this flourishing as a career did you ever go through a phase where like literally everything was like flying off the shelves Hmm. um well so i i like started out live painting in the festival circuit and so i was selling a lot of paintings that were super psychedelic to people who grew weed who had a bunch of money Mm. so i feel like that was kind of the most dependable like oh i have kind of a market for this and i decided that that wasn't really as meaningful to me anymore and that it became really important that my art have more to do with actually what's going on um in the world that it have more um I don't know that I wanted to play around with like other styles, you know, that I wanted to explore contemporary and abstract and I wanted to play with a palette knife and I wanted to try cityscapes and I wanted to try all this other stuff. So, um, I kind of departed, um, I departed from that. So I guess like what, what the bread and butter is, is often little projects. Like I animated a whole beastie boys video, um, with this dude who found me off Instagram or like, like a real beastie boy video. Yeah. And what he, video was he this? He took it and made slides. I forget what the song is. 
the video is filmed on a rooftop and there's three camera perspectives. And so we had a different artist do each camera perspective. Mm. And we painted over the, he took stills and then we painted over the stills and he cut them all out and put them together and created an animation. That's crazy. So I get hired for like random little jobs in between working in my studio um, that end up being, you know, little paycheck here and there. I, I graffitied a bunch of canvas and that got turned into a couture dress that's being used for a women's empowerment fashion show. Uh-huh. Um, I do some album covers. Nice. Some logos for some weed companies. <laughs> <laughs> okay. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. Have you done anything like, have you ever turned down anything? That you were like, nah, I'm not doing that shit. Mm, probably. Like, I've had to say no. I mean, sometimes, like, a project comes and you're like, yo. <laughs> it's too hard to do? That's just not it. No, if it's hard, like, I'm on it. You know what I mean? It's uh, it's more if it doesn't really, like, align with my values or um, if, like, I, I don't know. What comes to mind is somebody asking me to illustrate something with their poetry and I just wasn't really feeling the poetry that much. Mm. So like, oh, okay. I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah, I can understand that. Yeah. Um, and then, like, people often think that you want to be an artist because it's fun. And so they're like, you can just make this art for me. Mm. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can just pay me and then I can. How often are you, like, actually painting throughout Recently, the day? Recently, less. Recently, it's been a lot of, like, logistical stuff. Um, a lot of, like, geez, I don't know. A lot of my big jobs have been through BAMP. Um, and when you say BAMP, tell the people what that means exactly. Bay Area Mural Program. Okay. Um, so. So, Bay Area Mural Program is responsible for all the murals that you see in the Bay Area? Ha <laughs> ha, yes, no. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we are responsible for a handful of them. Okay. We're a pretty young organization. Mm. Um, did you well, create we it? Some cool stuff. One of the coolest things we did, I did not create it. The homie Andre Jones created it. Mm. He threw Battle of the Canvas a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. I entered Battle of the Canvas and then I won Battle of the Canvas and started working with BAMP um, on a couple projects and then ended up becoming um art director okay yeah one of the coolest things we did this year was go to standing rock reservation in north dakota we drove all the way across the country um and we did a mural they were launching a solar program on the reservation Mm -hmm. that would power the community of cannonball which is known by the people there as sacred stone yeah um but we just had like a really intimate experience with the people creating a mural you know with their influence and then kids coming out to help us paint and mm. uh, LaDonna Brave Bull one of the elders she's a Lakota historian and she took us out um, overlooking the burial grounds and told us story out there that was super cool we met uh is it Joaquim Noah is that his name yeah uh, Joaquim Noah Joaquim Noah he was there Joaquim Joaquim Oh, you're talking about the basketball player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, Joakim Noah. Joakim Noah. He was, doing a, he was doing a basketball camp. 
At Standing um, Rock? At Standing Rock, yeah. So it was like all kind of around the launch of this solar program, but they brought out him to do the basketball camp. Yeah. So we got to shoot little hoops with him. Nice. And then we ended up doing a traditional sweat lodge with Joaquim Noah, which is pretty tight. Have you ever done uh, ayahuasca? I've never done ayahuasca. No. It's always been some dude named Brad who's like, we don't really <laughs> sing the traditional songs. You know, we sing in English, but if you want to come. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool, man. Yeah. I think I'm good. <laughs> I think I'll wait till it feels a little more right. <laughs> Have you ever uh, been to Burning Man? Yes. Do you sell a lot of stuff there? Um, no, nothing. Yeah. You don't um, go there to work, huh? You just go to no. Well, experience? actually, I, I worked for Media Mecca for a couple years, um, just doing like some little mural work with a little crew on the inside and mm-hmm. outside of their building. But um, yeah, that's cool. Uh, you sh- have you ever thought about teaching at like colleges or anything? You know, I'm j- I'm like d- uh, talking about being like a full time. I've where you have your own it. class the whole school year. I've thought about it. Okay, it's something I feel like as a person who doesn't have a formal education, like getting comfortable with the fact that I'm actually really good at what I do and I'm actually really knowledgeable and yeah. I'm on par with people who did go to school. It's like taking me a while to be like, oh, I am worthy. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? So it's recently entered the realm of possibility in my life. They're like, oh, yeah, that's the thing I could do. And mm-hmm. um, it's something I could see myself doing later in life, but I'm a real like adventurous spirit and I get restless quickly. So I like change, you know, as frequently as possible. Yeah. What's your sign? Um, Capricorn Sun. Sagittarian moon and rising oh, and then you're one most of, those of my people, chart huh? goes cap sag cap sag yeah. what are you I'm just a Virgo you're just a Virgo I mean I don't <laughs> <laughs> I don't dip I don't deep dive into it like you do For like sure. where I know my rising and moon and all that shit For sure. but anyway yeah so we're it's like the seasoning on your sign you know what I mean I guess <laughs> <laughs> so where uh, you say you traveled a lot where have you been um, <clears throat> I've been to every country in Central America, but I've really spent time in Costa Rica, Nicaragua, and Guatemala. What's your favorite place you've ever been? I had a really good time in Guatemala. We Why? stayed with this dude, uh, Guido, and he's like an OG from the East Coast. Um, he, he's he's like a random connection from two different people in my life who don't know each other. Mm -hmm. And so this dude's like, I don't know, probably in his eighties now, but he's really funny. He sits around all day drinking like watered down coffee and smoking weed Mm -hmm. that he grows some like shitty weed. Mm -hmm. And, um, he's real pessimistic. Life has no meaning. It's only like a grumpy man. It's kind of like me. Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> yeah. It's always I'm nearing the end, so you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, a, damn, he's, dude, he's, <laughs> talk about dying and shit. He's a realist. That's what he is. Yeah, but he got some funny ass stories. Um, I didn't say his last name, so I could probably tell it. Yeah, say it. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know, say because we're, we're here to focus on you. All right. All right. So yeah, Nicaragua. Nicaragua, Guatemala. So I was in Guatemala with him in this little tiny house um, 
in Haibalito. And Haibalito is one of the villages that surrounds like Atitlan. Like Atitlan is a really popular spot in Guatemala for people to go visit. Um, and there's seven villages that surround it. And Haibalito is one of the really, really small ones. It has no roads. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of two sidewalks that intersect. And uh, it's just wild, man. It's a different world. You know, there's like feral dogs everywhere. When you walk home at yeah. night, you got to keep a pocket full of stones in case you get chased. You got to throw rocks at the dogs. Be like kids in the woods burning trash and shit. And How like, long were you there for? Three months. Um, reading books on the rooftop a lot. Walking around, meeting people. Um, I, I lived with a family and studied Spanish for a week. Mm. That was really dope. So um, you speak Spanish fluently? A poquito. Pero not fluent, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> what was the worst place that you ever traveled to? Managua, Nicaragua. Oh, okay. Why was that so bad? It's been devastated. It was devastated by earthquake and um, political landscape pretty fucked up um and we kind of heard about how it was sketchy i was traveling with my friend noah and olivia Mm -hmm. um so they're both white kids so like i maybe stand a chance at blending in but Mm -hmm. not really because we all have backpacks on and shit yeah yeah we pulled into managua in the middle of the day in a taxi and we're going to the bus station to buy a ticket and there are people like swarming our car every time we stop, banging on the windows trying to get at us. And we're like, we don't know why. You know what I mean? Like trying to get money? Don't know. Mm. We pull up to the uh, we pull up to the front of the bus station, we get out, and there's like it's just shady. You can just tell it's shady. Mm. We buy tickets for the bus that's supposed to leave at two in the morning. And then um, we like ask the guard who's outside, we're like yo like is there an internet cafe and he was like yeah it's like six blocks don't go it's dangerous <laughs> and we're like what what that's crazy like six <laughs> blocks he's like don't go and we're like okay <laughs> so we end up walking out the door getting a hotel every single building had fences around it like metal fences with a guard who would open the fence to let you into the perimeter of mm. the building so you could get in the front door yeah there's like a lot of fucking crackheads like straight up white lips like disheveled like pretty serious issue um and so we end up being at this hotel and we kind of walk around a little bit realize it's super fucking shady and we're like cool we're just gonna kick it and watch uh pimp my ride in spanish for like six hours Mm -hmm. so we're like posted in the hotel room and um we had this, the dude at the front was like, I'll walk you guys to the bus station because it's two in the morning. It's going to be dangerous. You shouldn't do it yourself. So we're like, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. And we get to the front at two in the morning. Homie's like, I'm not walking you. We're like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we get to the gate where he's going to like let us out into the street, right? And these two crackheads come out of the fucking dark looking all fucking shady and tore up and are like, talking to him in spanish and looking at us all wanting something and we're yeah. like fuck <laughs> and my friend noah he had this big ass stick that he had brought from the jungle uh-huh. and he was kind of like an acrobat he'd do backflips and fucking spin a stick around and whatnot so he was like you know we got a stick 
It's a good thing to have. I don't know how to use a knife. I'm not trying to get cut to shit. So, mm. <laughs> so homie's about to open the gate for us, and he says uh, he shoes the guys away from the gate, and then he just says, "If anything happens, run." And we're like, "Run!" He's like, "Yeah, run fast." We're like, "Okay." So he opens the door. And we start walking, and these two dudes come back out of the shadows, and they signal to other people who we can't see, but we can hear, like, 30 voices off in the dark in this mm. parking lot. And we see a few other people start to come out, and Noah just starts spinning his stick like crazy. <laughs> and the guy says, Tu es la jefe. Lo, what, what is it? The proper Spanish? Jefe. You're the boss. Tu es, tu es el jefe. He said that to the guy who he jumped out of the bushes? He said that to Noah. Oh, he said it to know. The guy who jumped out of the bushes was like, okay, okay, I oh, can yeah. see you about to beat my ass with yeah, this yeah. big-ass stick, so I'm going to lay off. <laughs> and we were only walking two blocks. We were probably being followed by, like, eight people, like, hard. And yeah. we got to the gate, and it was straight up, like, zombie land. Like, so Noah saved you guys' life. Noah pretty much saved us with his big-ass stick from the jungle. By pretending he can... By pretending he could whoop somebody ass, like Tarzan. I mean, that's, that's what you got to do. You got to look gotta like you sometimes. can fight. <laughs> yeah. To scare people. <laughs> uh, and when you think you should have a knife, like, if you don't know what you're doing with the knife, like, you should probably just have a stick. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah you don't want to stab anybody. Nah. <laughs> it, takes a, it takes a lot to stab someone. Yeah. But to shoot someone is easy. Pull a trigger. Yeah. But stabbing someone, like, that's putting intimate. that knife into someone. That's, <laughs> that's intimate. That's like, that's like making love. Yeah. Shooting someone is like fucking, like a one-night stand <laughs> or something. But, yeah, it's different. It's like a blowjob through a glory <laughs> hole or something. <laughs> something, something like that. All right, so you, uh, this is the point of the the show where I allow my guests to basically promote whatever they want to promote. Like, if you want to tell the people about your social media, where they can find you, um, the work you do, the mural program. And if they want to reach out to you for, like, paintings to buy, purchase, or to view any of your art, I mean, this is your chance to promote. Cool. This is like the number one. You say you didn't listen to this shit, but this is like the number one podcast in the Bay Area. Hey. And um, a lot of people are going to hear it. So, yeah. Um, yeah, go ahead and just say promote whatever you want to promote. All right, cool. Well, um, as far as events that are going on, mm-hmm. I have something coming up at the end of February that is a collaboration with my buddy Rohan. Um, we are Peach Fuzz Creative, mm, and we sexy. are throwing a, in honor of Valentine's Day, we're doing a speed dating event. What? But it's going to be blindfolded, and it's in the interest of looking at love in its many forms beyond so you can just touch the romantic. Only if it's consensual, but potentially we're going to involve the sense of smell, Potentially the sense of touch ah. and um, have a homie who's a comedian be asking the questions to prompt people. Okay. So they'll basically have a conversation answering these questions to each other without being able to see each other. Sounds fun. And then later on be able to see each other. Um, nice. At the bar. So when is this? This is going to be around the 23rd of February. You're going to have to stay tuned. So where you stay tuned <laughs> is on my Instagram I've been changing my name on Instagram a lot, so you're going to want to look up Rachel Wolf, and you will find me. Rachel Wolf Goldsmith is my full name. Um, That's your you tag? Search, is just Rachel Wolf, no underscore, nothing? 
Well, right now it's Wolfpack, but I'm kind of just trying that on like a t-shirt, so it may change. <laughs> uh, that's wolf.pAQ. Okay. Um, you have an email? I have an email. It is rachelwolfgoldsmith at gmail.com. You want to spell that for I the people? I sure do. <laughs> Rachel is R-A-C-H-E-L W-O-L-F-E G-O-L-D S-M-I-T-H mm. And that is also my website rachelwolfgoldsmith.com And that's where you can like purchase Can you, you purchase art purchase, on your website? Um, so I don't have direct purchase through the website I feel like most of the time if you're going to drop a couple thousand dollars you're probably going to want to have a conversation about what the piece is about and potentially come by my studio and look at it. But so, you can see everything on your website that you, you have? You can see everything on the website, yeah. And then I have a show coming up February 27th through March 1st that's going to be Super Fine Art Fair. That's mm. in San Francisco. Um, look up Super Fine Art Fair, and I'll be booth number 28. And that will be a series of work that I've been working on for the last, like, three years um, that's kind of coming to its peak now. I have some nice. video content, a whole bunch of shit that I'm stoked to finally Dope. put out. Yeah, That's it? What about the mural program? If people uh, want to learn about that. Uh, that's Bay Area Mural Program. Um, dot org. And... Our Instagram is Bay Area Mural Pro. Okay. Yeah. And you can also email me for any inquiries regarding that. Mm. But the best way to get in contact with you, would you say, would be ins- basically just Instagram? Instagram is great. Instagram's always great. Um, man, I'm like, should I just drop my phone number? You could text the bitch. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do it. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah email email and Instagram email is always consistent you know so yeah that's a good way yeah alright nice alright well thank you for uh, coming on the show it was it was a it was a pleasure learning about you your history um, super dope like I said super dope artist very very talented in many ways very beautiful woman um yeah, talent matches the beauty. That's you that's very rare when you when Thank you find you. people. Um so yeah, look her up on Instagram, support her work, uh support Oakland artists. Uh try to go to those events that she stated. Uh I'm gonna try to go to that speed dating. Yeah. If you wanna meet the famous Jordan Owandi, host of Everyday Celebrity Podcast, who knows, I might be there. I might not though, I don't know. It depends. You might date him, <laughs> you might not even know him. <laughs> So yeah, that's it. See you guys later. You.